Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have one of the best sports writers in the game. And he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. We all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a three a <laughs> Mordecai three, three finger, finger brown reference. There you go. That's and by there. the way, Gar Ryness is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving love. a shout out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. When we love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough, and to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D S T L D. You get, like, brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. in your house or your car or your office, wherever this is being listened to, clap for me, Matt Dwyer, and loudly stand up and scream, hooray, conversations with Matt Dwyer, and I don't give a fuck if you got your headphones on and you're in church listening to this, stand up and scream, hallelujah, Matt Dwyer. Uh, If you haven't listened to my show before, it is just what the title there implies, it's a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer, and uh, today I talked to... Aaron Kyle, who's a very uh, fascinating fellow, a great musician and songwriter. He was founded the band La Switch. He played with the Radar Brothers for a while, unless I'm crazy, but I'm pretty sure he did. And his new band, Geronimo Getty, is super duper fucking awesome. And I've known Aaron a long time, but I saw him play a few weeks ago with Geronimo Getty, and I was like, why have I not had Aaron Kyle on the show? So I remedied that problem. And I have them on the show today, and it's one of my, it's a great conversation. It's like exactly like I like them to go, very loose, very fun. You know, it's it was great. It's one of my favorites. We're gonna get to that in a moment, but uh, I, lately, um, I don't know. I had a few drinks the other night, and I watched some Carl Sagan videos on YouTube, and then some Stephen Hawking videos, and uh, I learned some things. And I learned recently that we are, or science is. We are only aware of 5% of the universe. So there's that other 95% of the universe that's expanding and kind of goes on for infinity. And I'm like, if we're... (laughs) It was just like, I was kind of like, if it's so... We're so minuscule. And I know that I don't mean to sound like some pot-smoking weirdo, but I was like, what are we like... (laughs) It just seems like... It just seems so absurd to me that we're like 
this is my yard. This is my, this is where I live. This is mine. It's like, you own nothing. You're, you're a little th- chunk of bullshit that you are grasping onto <laughs> to give yourself comfort. It's like, cause who knows? Maybe, maybe I know they, that scientists are like, oh, it's the universe is going to expand. And maybe, maybe because we only know 5%, I mean, you know, I'm sure they have a good grasp of what's going on, but maybe in the next week that expanding universe is just going to hit some kind of, uh, space rubber band and it's just going to come flinging back at us and in our our yards and our our countries and all these things that we think are so precious and wonderful are going to be obliterated (laughs) sorry for the existential intro but i was just like i just i was thinking you know when you've had a few beers and maybe some vodka i won't lie to you and then you start pondering the universe and you're in a bad mood because that's why I was watching these videos. I just needed to distract myself. I was like, what do we what do we fucking worry about? Like when we're like, oh, my career and I got to pay my college bills, my college student loan things, which I don't have because I dropped out of college because I was um, doing a lot of cocaine and drinking and I wrapped my car around a light post. So I couldn't get to school anymore, but that's, and you know what? That doesn't matter because in an ever expanding infinite universe, that 73 Nova I was driving is pretty insignificant, but I'm just like, why do we like, if we just thought about these things a lot more, cause I know we, you know, God and we believe in religion and stuff to sort of be like, so we don't constantly live in a panic. So we give ourselves define and give our lives meaning but it's really come on you know it's it's pretty just like we we have no grasp there's no control i mean you could be the fucking lee iacocca chrysler i don't know why i'm referencing a 1970s 80s uh auto industry legend (laughs) but it's like it doesn't mean anything because great you hey you got you got some dough but it's all bullshit it's gonna it's gonna disperse into the neverness and mean nothing as carl sagan said we're all made of star dust or uh, meth dust i'm not sure meth dust i'd prefer meth dust big anyway so on sorry for the existential thing i've just been pondering some things lately uh and uh, anyway, so it's humid. I'm, I'm recording this intro in a really humid, hot kitchen uh, with my dog, Charlie. And uh, uh, so I'm just uncomfortable and thus the existentialism. Hey, how about this? We get on to the uh, show with Mr. Wonderful Aaron Connor. really appreciate about your music is that there's a great joy like watching you play and i don't does that sound fucking stupid no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> if, if i'm just some joyful motherfucker all the time but there's such a there's such a not i don't know like there's a lot of bands who are just kind of like putting on this attitude of like they're too cool for school and like there's just like i don't know you you i guess what i'm really trying to say is when you watch you or listen to your music, you get a great sense of love for what you're doing. And I don't feel like you see that a lot or enough. Is that dumb? I feel I, dumb. Know, no, no, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I think 
I really do love doing it. I think, um, and maybe I just I'm better at showing it than others. I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty happy guy most of the time. You are. I'm not like a depressed motherfucker that just sits in his room all day like you. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know. Well, you've known me a while, so that is tends to be true. Now I got a woman who keeps me, but. And that's another, like, do you feel like you work better from a place of uh, when you're happy in life, or do you feel when you're writing? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think, uh, you know, uh, the the songs that I write, they come in spurts. So, like, I just sort of uh, go through these times where, like, sometimes I'm really depressed, but I don't really like showing that I'm depressed. I don't really like going out and being like, like numb and just like a sad guy you know what i mean like i usually internalize all that and then it comes out in music you know that that's a good way of doing it though because then you won't get like a tumor or something later <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's it's my therapy you know what i mean so like it, it just like if 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 at all usually you know I, I i go through like the emotional stuff and it goes pretty fast but then i think it goes so far down that like it comes out later in music you know what i mean yeah i do and i don't know if that's like good for my own personal being like living through the rest of my life but it seems it's, it's works so far <laughs> yeah you haven't you know? hung yourself in a no, closet not yet, not but yet. I, I feel like that's actually probably the healthiest way and i feel like yeah that's a lot of the songs i really like are i don't know a lot of your songs come from a seem like they're very personal they are sometimes you know it's funny uh i write like i start thinking about ideas and you know, either it's either it comes from a past situation that I've been in, or it comes from what people have told me about their own bullshit. Um, so I feel like you know some of it's personal. You know, there's definitely songs that I can go, okay, well I know what that's about, or you know, I, I definitely live that. You know, um, but I, you know, I try and write as much about other people as much as possible. Is you there- know what I mean? Because I I don't know the people that I love like. Um, you know, like the boss or like, you know, when you start reading like, you know, um, Bob Dylan's lyrics or something like that, not all that shit's personal. It's all just like stuff that he's just like, he's just out of some typewriter just typing up bullshit. You know? Yeah. Or like Tom Waits. It's all. Oh, right. Yeah. It's just like great. It's just great songs. You know what I mean? And that's what I stri- I'm striving for, I guess, you know? Yeah. Like good stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're very, I mean, you're, there's bands and there's. But you're like, to me, you're very, you are a song writer, and a, uh, you could see it or hear it in your music. You're, you're a craftsman, and as well as you could tell that you have a, a love for, for that. Or, dude, I mean, there's, there's that history or whatnot. That's, that's who I love. I love songwriters. Like, you know, that's, when, that's who I get into. You know what I mean? That's like my... My bread and butter. When did you sort of, was there a journey into that? Because I feel like, I don't, I grew up in a, you grew up in a Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. is a far, I grew up in a suburb. <laughs> it's like, so it was like, to kiss, it was like, ooh, kiss. And it took me a long time to sort of rid that from my system. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. I grew up with the Beatles, you know, those are songwriters, right? I mean, those. I don't think that's where <laughs> we're going to disagree. <laughs> um, I grew up with the Beatles. I grew up. You know, my mom bought me my first Beatles record when I was three. Um, and then it just sort of went along from there. Like, my parents were really into punk rock. Uh, my mom. You really? Them. Yeah. What? How old were your parents when they. Were they young? Were they, they were young. So they were like 21 when they had me. 
You're like the first guy I've ever heard who said my parents were into punk rock. Well, they were, they were, they were you know, they were sort of in the uh, in the '80s punk scene, sort of late. You know what I mean, like X and that kind of stuff. Um, were they musicians and stuff? No, my mom was an actress. Oh, really? Uh, I never knew that. Yeah. And she still does some acting every once in a while. Um, and so she was acting, and then you know, my dad was like, uh, he still is. He's the air conditioning mechanic at Fox Studios or whatever. So like, he's blue collar guy. And my stepdad, who kind of raised me um, with my mom, was like a you know sales guy or whatever. So they went out at night and they would like go party and do their thing. And you know they had us, so they would take us along and you know take us to demonstrations that they were into. They were like really young and like still like going through their twenties and going through their like early thirties by the time that I was a teenager. You like know? what kind of demonstrations would they take you to? Uh, we went to like the. Uh, we went to the the demonstration against the first, oh uh, the ver- the 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 first uh, like Kuwait war and all that. That just made me feel a lot older than you because I you pro- are a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I I rem- I went and protested that as a semi adult. <laughs> I think we went to uh, we when I was really young, like three or four. Like my um, just, yes, my you- stepdad was really uh, into like CISPIS and was really into like. Uh, this uh, CISPIS was, I guess, like a organization that was against, uh, I think, the, the rebels in like El Salvador. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah, a, yeah, just so, like, by San the era. And all that. Um, so they were really into that. And, I, you know, I think my stepdad wanted to like go and like fight with those guys and all that shit. But um, it never happened, obviously. But we would go to the demonstrations and, you know, they're really into that stuff. Do you feel like that, not just the political stuff, but do you feel like the punk and all that stuff had a. Excuse me, like an effect on you creatively? Yeah, without a doubt. Are you into punk? Uh, I was in high school. I was a huge punk kid. Yeah, I was really into punk rock. Yeah, I feel like it's like previous generations used to have to have... You got out of it? (laughs) Like (laughs) I got out of kiss? Yeah, like they they jumped me out of punk rock. (laughs) Well, because I feel like it's funny because when I was younger, everybody sort of had to have a hippie phase. But then it was like everybody started having... Like almost everybody has to have a punk phase because it's like... When I was, it was like, that's your first sense yeah. of rebellion. Yeah. I, you know, I listened to all that stuff. You know what I mean? I was listening to like, you know, Dead Kennedys and I was also listening to, to, you know, uh, Pink Floyd and whatever I can get my hand. I was whatever I can get my hands on. I still listen to everything. You know what I mean? Like, I'll still listen to like, I'll listen to Minor Threat every once in a while or I'll still listen to like some really like fun, hardcore music because I, I don't know. I get into that shit, you know? Like sometimes it's just good to. It's good. Rock out, you know? <laughs> did you ever play in, like, punk Did you do punk yeah, band? Yeah, How what, do you? How do you look back at that now? Do you go, like, do you win? This is what I did. It's what I did. That's a great attitude. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, you know, we, uh, I started playing in bands, like, in 14. So I was 14 years old. And our first gig was at the Coconut Teaser. That's, like, a famous place, isn't it? It was. Yeah, is that, yeah, like, where, the what yeah. the fuck, uh, like, uh, shit. It's like, you know... Everybody played yeah, there. Yeah, all those fucking cock rockers back in the day, you know? The Chili Peppers, I'm trying to... Oh, Fishbone. That was like a... Wasn't Fish that a Fishbone? Nah. I have no idea. <laughs> I just watched a Fishbone <laughs> documentary last year, so I had... It was on the corner of Crescent Heights and Sunset. It was right there. Um, catty corner to the uh, to that mall or whatever. Anyways. It's not like uh, this white there. fucking nerdy guy's cruising down Crenshaw <laughs> a lot. <Yeah. laughs> but that must have been like a cool scene to... You must have seen some cool shit, right? 
Uh, no. No? No. We, I mean, we, we played, that was like our first gig. It was such a nerdy gig. But like, we played there and then like, we never played again. And I got kicked out of the band. I was the lead singer. And so that's what got me to play, start playing guitar. Oh, to be more like, I could see you doing, you got, you got the good gravel in your voice. You could totally do the punk. Oh, yeah. I was a screamer. I was a screamer. Even Linda Switch, I was a screamer. You know what I mean? Like, I, you're one of the good, in my opinion, you're one of the good screamers. I love, I love to scream. I, I, you know, like that was, because you know, there's the comedian guy. They, everyone, every comedian has a rock guy fantasy. Right. That's like the oldest. And it's just like anybody who can scream, I'm just like, fuck. Like, why did God curse me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was, I wanted to be a screamer. Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, smoking helped that. I smoked for 15 years. And as I got older, in my 20s, it even got even worse. You know, I became like, it became easier and easier for me to sound like Tom Waits after like four beers and a pack of cigarettes, you know? Every good, every hard drinking, smoking friend of mine does a great Tom Waits. And like, I'm yeah. not like great. Yeah. That's, but so then like early on, like, were you one of those guys who just like, cause you were saying you had music Beatles. Did, was there like an interest immediately? You're like, all right, I'm going to like, it was just an innate yeah, I wanna, love. I, just, I loved playing music. Like I got my first guitar when I was like six years old. Um, and then my cousin took it away from me at some point and never gave it back. And then I got another guitar when I was eight. And then I played that. We had took lessons. And then I got tired of that. And I got really into like, like, uh, you know, like dance stuff of like the nineties. So like, you know, MC hammer is like during like six you got into six, MC six, hammer. Oh yeah. I loved it. <laughs> How old I were you during that? I was like sixth grade, oh, seventh grade. Fuck, this, I, I know we're really st- old. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm going to keep on bringing up references to make you feel old. I just, I used to babysit MC Hammer. That's the, uh, (laughs) that's the really. Did uh, he give you a piece of his golden gate after he sold that? uh, Yeah, but then he asked for it back. (laughs) I think he went to jail recently, so he needed it for bail. Uh, Wow, that's so, I would, I never would have pegged you as a, as a. I loved it. And I loved hip hop up until I was like probably in ninth grade, 10th grade. In 10th grade, I really started getting into, like, rock and roll again, you know? Because throughout, like, my younger life, I was really into, like, the Beatles, and then I got into, like, sort of hair metal of the time, you know, like, um, you know, Warrant and that kind of shit. Wow, you really Warrant have been the, all over. It's the band that I chose to, to just say out loud right now. Um, I wish yeah, you know, like, 18 in life. What's that fucking band? Uh, Alice Cooper? Oh, that's just I'm 18. No, no, no. <laughs> 18. That's that's Alice Cooper. I learned how to play that one time. Um, but you know that hair metal stuff. You know, like the the late 80s, early 90s. That's funny because you were you were as a in my youth, like you could you had to stick to a like one genre, or you were forgive the word a fag. <laughs> like if you liked anything, like because I got into Violent Femmes and stuff, and then I became they're like, oh, you right. like faggot music, right. and it's like. Which I don't really consider. Yeah, I think there was a whole trajectory for me. Like, I just, like, I got into rock and roll. I was really into that stuff. And then I started skating. And then skating brought me into more, like, dance, hip-hop kind of stuff. And then, you know, I, I just, like, grew with whatever I was into. And then, you know, once I got out of hip-hop, once I stopped listening to that stuff, I was, like, it was, like, all rock and roll for me all the time. And then I got into, like, indie rock and all that stuff, you know, in high school. Yeah, that's was... like the quick version. <laughs> I don't want to bore you with a long story about uh, you know. Oh, that's, I love that kind of oh. stupid stuff. Not to say that it was stupid. We're that's not just do it. okay. 
I like a, I like when somebody lays down rules because I didn't have any parental guidance. So <laughs> once in a while, I just need someone to be like, "Do here's what we're doing." I'm like, all right. But was there like, do you, is this a? I don't know. If, was there ever a defined moment where you're like, where everything, something clicked, and you're like, "All right, I'm going in this direction," or was it just sort of? Like a yeah, progress. Like, I think like when I was 16 or 17, uh, my cousin gave me um, a bunch of records. She was like, she knew all these guys. She was living in Seattle and she uh, brought back all these CDs for Christmas. And it was like Built to Spill, Modest Mouse. And it was always like, again, if you records people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I really, and that like, that changed everything because I was like really into punk rock at the time, and I really liked Dinosaur Junior. You know what I mean? Like that was like a high school band for me, and so hearing like Built to Spill and Modest Mouse and that kind of like indie rock stuff like definitely changed everything. I was like, oh, you can, you don't have to like play really hard. You can just like write good songs. Mon- you know what I mean? Yeah, Modest Mouse. I think. I don't know if it's because he got huge success or what, but it's like, I think people forget when bands get that big. Like, that early stuff, and I, st- I admit, I still like their n- newer stuff, but mm-hmm. it's like, that that's a great, and, and a very innovative band. It's like, it's amazing how totally. many people have fucking copped that guy. Yeah. And, and also, like, watching that guy fucking play guitar is unreal. Like, he would, you know, you know that bendy stuff that he used to do back in the yeah. day? Like, he would, like, just slam on his bridge to make a bend like that. So he would, like, hit a chord, hit a note, and then it was like he was constantly moving back and forth between his hand between the strings and his bridge to make that bendy sound. And, like, that in itself is awesome. You yeah, know? I'd never heard no it before. Whammy bar, just hitting it, you know? Yeah, you Which saved cool. the whammy bar for bands like Warrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the first time I heard him, I was like, what the... F-? Like, I hadn't heard anything. And as an older guy, I had heard a lot more things than you. Right. <laughs> but I was like this... And I was, like, obsessed with that guy. For not, I slept in his yard. <laughs> but, no, I mean, their music was, like... And it bums me out that... Uh, I don't know. Is that... I don't know if... I don't think it's just a Los Angeles thing. It's just I heard them when I first moved here. Right. But that people pissed, pissed like... Go away! I don't know why I said piss, but they go away from bands when they get a little too popular, and it's like I think that attitude's bullshit. You know I do I mean? too. I just think if you're going to make bad music, then people shouldn't buy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, right. I just think that like if you're, I can understand not liking somebody if if later on in their career you really feel like they're phoning it in or they're being phony about it. You know what I mean? Like, that seems like a good reason to be like, well, I don't believe in your band anymore. But, like, just to be like, well, these guys are finally making some money and, and you know, selling out the Greek. I shouldn't like them because of that. You know what I mean? That just seems like a... It's like attitude. if you're rooting for, like, the, the attitude I always had as a kid and even till now, it's like, if I really like a band and it's like they start making money, I'm like, oh, good for you. You don't have to fucking eat... Lentils. It's like because right. you know what the struggle is. It's like totally. oh, good, you yeah. fucking deserve it. Especially because they were around for a thousand years before. I mean, oh, didn't they? So long, and they were touring in a shitty bus or or van for many years. Yeah, same with Built to Spill. Bill, I think Built to Spill probably still drives in a van or or maybe a bus, maybe. But I, I bet you probably in a van or even. You know, a Nothing. station wagon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't think that those guys. I think they would much rather drive in a van and bring home more money than to pay for a bus and 
and be comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I want to see the underdog win. So when bands like that do well, I'm like, good, fucking. Yeah. Get your teeth cleaned now. Yeah. 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 Go get some health insurance. Congratulations. Yeah. Even like guys like Tweety, like I knew people who knew him in Chicago. I never met the dude, but like people were like, even when they were moderately, even like around Foxtrot, like mm -hmm. they were like, he has to tour constantly. That's right. the only way he can like feed his kids. And it's totally. like, boy, that's fucked up. And that's what? Four records in in Wilco, and then after three records on a major label with Uncle Tupelo or whatever, two records. I mean, that's crazy. That's like a long trajectory at, what, 30, 34 or whatever yeah. it was, you know? It seems that bands are given, like it used to be, you had to be fucking 22 to get a, like it used to be, and now it's, it's still that way. It seems like there's a lot of older bands that break, though, or am I crazy? No, I mean, break after they've maybe been, I think break after they've been doing it for 10 years, you know? Like, um, fuck, now I can't think of the band's name. Austin Band, fucking, they had a million hits. Anyway. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of piano stuff. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I Brett, can't... Brett, whatever his yeah. face is. Fuck, I used to listen to them all the yeah. time. I don't listen to them anymore. Uh, Spoon. Spoon. Yeah. But like that dude, like totally. early 90s, and then they didn't get, but it's just like weird to me. Yeah. And then he got big in like the early 2000s. But even then, even that band is a really good example of like a band that, you know, had some minor success with, you know, indie markets and then, you know, kind of went into the mainstream a little bit. But still, probably not making a lot of money. You know, maybe they're making, he might be making. Who knows? Like sixty, seventy thousand dollars. Who knows? I have no idea. That's like a weird number to put out there. But <laughs> if I ever meet him, <laughs> you should ask him. You should ask him. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's making money from like placements and stuff. But I mean, who knows what he makes? But I'm sure he's not a millionaire. You know, or like a you know a triple millionaire, or whatever. Yeah. You know, he's no warrant. He's still living in Austin. It Portland now. <laughs> oh, but there you go. same thing. Whatever. But. Like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, I think of myself as a writer, not, I mean, I, no one else does who reads my stuff, but I think of myself, but it's like, I feel Wait, like... Do you write stuff? Yeah, didn't I, honey, didn't I write a grocery list earlier? That's <laughs> <laughs> really, really nice. But I've, I feel like you don't, in your 20s, you don't know shit about fuck. And it's like, you right. can write, you might be able to write catchy hooks or whatever, but it's like, I look at, there's certain dudes who have, like, longer careers, and it's like, then they really, even writers, or it's like, you don't have anything to say in your 20s. Oh, uh, no offense, 20-year-olds. But... It's also not the time of, of the Dylans and the, the Van Morrisons, you know what I mean? Where you write Astral Weeks by the time you're 18, and you're like, holy shit. You know, like, I don't see that happening anymore. Like, I don't see 18-year-old kids putting out music that is even on that par, you know? Yeah. Like, think about it. Like, I don't know if you even like Astro Weeks, but if you know that record and you think about that record, you're like, oh my God. Like, that is, that's pretty amazing for how like old an 18-year-old kid. How old was he when he was in Them? Was he like 16, 10? 15. Really? Yeah. That's fucking Isn't crazy. Because I'm, I love Them. Like, yeah. they're, they're like one totally. of my favorites. Yeah. That's fucking yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why do you what do you think that is a symptom of? I just don't think that kids 
maybe these days are having to deal with so you, much stuff. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, I think you had to deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's just life experiences. You know, like you know, kids grew up on farms then. You know, like it was just a different time where you didn't have access to a lot of information. I feel like there was a lot of a lot more. You know, having to read books and having to, you know, struggle for money, maybe. You know what I mean? Where I, you know, I, I'm sure people still struggle with money, but, you know, like people in the outlaw, just, you didn't have access to information. I think access to information is a big part of it. There was also, I mean, there is that generation. It was like they came out of, a lot of them came out of post World War II, if not World War, or they sure. were babies during World War II. I was like, you know, your brothers. And would get sick and die. It's like, totally. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like now everybody lives. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. So what I'm saying is, more children need to die so we have better music. I totally agree. But it is that's an interesting because I do, and I feel like there's not a lot of. I don't hear a lot of m- new music. There's a lot of stuff I really like, but there's not a lot of stuff I hear and I'm like, whoa, right. like what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Well, and also a lot of it is that like. Uh, you know, those guys were, you know, mimicking blues guys or like, you know, maybe Elvis Presley or something or like, you know, the 50s guys, you know, and then like the, you know, the 70s guys were maybe mimicking like, you know, 50s and 60s. guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're all mimicking something that we hear from, you know, during our, you know, you know, 10 years old and up, <laughs> you know, like whatever we hear from then, it's like, it's like, this is what we want to like make ourselves into as musicians. And I think. You know, it was just a different time. You know, like those guys, I don't know. I think if you still listen to that stuff, you can still get influence out of that stuff. And I don't think that kids of today are listening to that stuff. You know? Yeah, I feel like there's very few. Like, I, I really like the Strange Boys. And if you, uh, do you know them? Do you I like know them? them a little bit. But like they're, I mean, then they were mid-teens when when I first saw them. They were like not even 18. Right. And they were like, there was a very heavy 60s refer- garage reference. Totally. And it was like... Shit, I didn't know. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, right. And but but I think that's a rare exception of guys who are like really studied like blues and which I don't think I don't know. That's like the first thing I was told. Is like, if you like this guy, fucking go back and and totally. go. And yeah. I, I that's question- how I learned as well. It's like if you, if you like if you like the Beatles, go listen to what they listen to, or if you like this guy, go and find every obscure dude that he listened to and go find those guys. That's how I found Leon Russell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just go back and find the people that actually either wrote those songs or, yeah, you know, and I don't like mean to sound curmudgeonly, but there's like, I mean, there is, I'm not, I don't want to diss too much new young guy music, (laughs) but it's like, there's so much great old stuff that I keep discovering. I'm like, I didn't like, I didn't know this. And then like you spend, like I just started listening to the Feelies. I'd never paid attention to, it. Mm. and I was like, I totally. To- and it's like total, and it's like something totally new. And I'm like, why would I <laughs> go listen to these fucking pricks when I could listen to these this? Right. And there's a lot of great bands from that time period. You know what I mean? Like the DBs or that kind of stuff. Or- See, I don't know that that kind of era like skipped me it's a weird. little bit. It skipped me too. I didn't start learning about that stuff until recently. There's a Talking know? Heads sort of scene as well too. Yeah, sure, and also like REM and. Yeah, you know, the Feely is part of the, part of the REM. Oh, were they? They? I think so. I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah. Think so, but that's. I mean, that's one of the things I love about music is like you'll always discover even like jazz. Like I just last year I discovered Chico Hamilton. Never heard of the fucking guy. Right. And it's like was obsessive with that for like three four months. Totally. Do you listen to a lot of old old stuff? 
Um, do you like jazz? You know, I don't listen to a lot of jazz. I like jazz when I hear it, you know? Um, I don't research jazz or, like, go and buy jazz records. Um, so, no, I don't listen to a lot of jazz. I do like jazz, though. Is that okay? Is that a yeah. answer? <laughs> I mean, so I was going to tell you, know, you that I like jazz, but I, I don't know shit about jazz. <laughs> you know you uh, the podcast ends with, like, grade, grade you, right? Uh, but, yeah, are there any, like... New young guy bands or and girl bands. Is there anything new that you that has that you've seen like out playing and stuff that grabs you or just you know every once in a while like I'll see a band. Um, I saw this. I can't remember the name of the, the band, but um, I saw this punk band play at the Redwood Bar, and they were like thrashing all over the place, and the guy was like probably like five feet tall and he was just like jumping all around and getting in your face and I don't know they have makeup on and shit and I was like I was like man this is awesome you know what I mean I was like right on you know yeah like and they're doing it it's like and they're feeling it and it wasn't it wasn't put on in any kind of way like they obviously were really into it and they were like you know this is the type of music I want to make um, and I, I dig that yeah like, you, you find that experience you know you don't you don't see a lot of bands sincerely like throwing like you'll see a lot of fake it, right? <laughs> but like I saw the Jesus Lizard reunion like a few years ago, and it's like at fifty, I was like, "You guys are better than most." Right? It's like, and I was like, almost every band should go see these guys and be like, "Totally." Maybe that's how you commit <laughs> to what you're doing. <laughs> Granted, Yao gets extra crazy, but it's weird. Totally. He's yeah. he's terrifying on stage. Yeah, I've never seen them play live. He's toned it down a little bit in his fifties, okay. not a lot, but he's toned it down. But also, and then like the sweetest, soft-spokenest, silliest guy on earth. Really? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, so it's like, it's weird. I told him that Todd, sea uh, level Todd, terrified him. I was like, yeah, I have a friend you terrify, and he got. It seemed like his feelings got hurt. Really? <laughs> yeah. It was. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was so weird. I was like, oh, I and I felt bad. You shouldn't. No, you don't. You're right, I don't. That's not true. But, like, like when we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, you, certain things you write about, and is, uh-huh. there, any, is there anything, like, subject matter or, uh, or even, like, something that you've strived, like, you just, something that taunts you? <laughs> it's like, where you're like, fuck, I can't get this story, or, because I've had things where it's just like, I want to tell this, and I can't. I think it's more telling, you know, that's uh, funny, I... I there are things. There's a there's a there's a style of writing that I really enjoy, and I can't really write like that. Um, and like, um, it's hard to give you examples, but it's more ethereal and you know, sort of, um, you know, a lot of metaphors and using like um, describing things in like a very psychedelic way. And I really like listening to music like that. That that is sort of weird and like uh, like Bill Callahan or something, where you're like, I, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love it, you know what I mean? And it's awesome. And like there was sometimes you're like you're like grasping at your own your own ideas of what the songs are about, you know what I mean? And you're or Jim Jim Putnam's another great example of that, where you're like, 
you're like, man, you are on this other planet writing this, and it's awesome because you can. Everybody has their own ability to to take their the words for whatever they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, I feel like my songs are very direct, and they're like, this is what the song is about. This is the story of the song, and you know, maybe you relate to it because you've either gone through it or. Or you know somebody that's like this, or you know people that are. You know, I talk a lot about people and stuff, and, and not enough about, uh, you know, you know, writing a, a song about a, a donkey or something, you know, or, or or my TV coming alive and speaking to me or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which I, I really respect. I think that like if you can figure out a way to talk about inanimate objects or talk about things that don't have, you can't really ask them about their feelings and you can bring their feelings into a song. That's where I have the hardest time. Cause I always feel like it's not coming from a genuine place in me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't, do you know what I mean? No, I do. Okay. And I, I feel like there's like every creative person I talk to, there is, or most of them, there's like, there is some kind of like you're working towards, there's a, a constant chase involved and you're trying to reach yeah. this point, which you'll never reach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the most, beautifully existential like it's it's yeah. <laughs> and it's constant you know yeah it'll, it'll never stop and i've like thought about have you ever like thought about quitting have you ever been like ah oh, fuck this because i've i have no i've been actually most people have encouraged me to <laughs> <laughs> but like it is that's different yeah it's different than that's wanting to quit. truth <laughs> <laughs> but like where it's just because i feel like i don't know i'm not gonna find this thing right but it's like you can't but and that's just like neuroses but there's that yeah it's just never, something you can't i just know that if if you keep on going you're going to you're going to i'm just going to get pleasure in it you know what i mean like i'm going to be able to like if i sit down with my guitar every day and play it then i get the chance to try and write a song and then you know and then if i do that you know say Two or three times a week, maybe I'll have a song or two or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? I like and then to... I'm going to put out a record and then that's it. You know what I mean? Like it's not – I don't really have a goal of being like I want to get – I want to get better at this or I have like a specific goal of being like this is where I want to be in 10 years or this is where I'm striving to go. I think for me it's just trying to write every single time trying to write a better song that conveys the feeling of that song and like doing something that's very special for that one thing as opposed to a whole group of ideas i thought it was a very beautiful statement that you said i get to sit down and i get a chance to write a song is a really that's a really cool way of putting it right and it's a very i don't know it's, it's true i know yes but yeah. it's a very uh Zenish and I don't know if Zenish is a word. <laughs> it is Zen for me though. Like I sit down and I, you know, no, no one exists around me. You know what I mean? I just sit in my living room. Sometimes I'm watching TV and I'm playing guitar, and something will happen or it won't. Yeah, because I, I, I once said something. I, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple or maybe a few years ago, I said something to you about meditation, and you said, "Music's my meditation." And it is. It is when you're like in those moments. It is like. It's time ceases to exist. Totally. Becomes a very yeah. powerful, I don't know. Right. And just like riding would be for you or killing dead babies. <laughs> Even more I can't. Get... 
I, uh, yeah, well, I, I summon Satan, the baby comes back to life, and then I kill it again. <laughs> I just mean chopping the heads off. That's all I mean. I do it very slowly, by the way. I want you to know that. Very. <laughs> I, I get a certain pleasure out of knowing oh, where the fuck. knife is going. I hate to tell you this, but now I have to kill you because you just incriminated me. <laughs> if they can't find you, then there's no. But, um, now, you, and you've been in a, like, but you've been in a, Various couple or you, boy, that just did not come out of my yeah, mouth. Well, what are you trying to say? I was just trying to scat. I was trying to find him. <laughs> but you've you've you fronted a couple of bands, and I always thought like because La Switch was a a long uh, that went on for a long time, and that was a very passionate thing of yours. Mm-hmm. Also, one of my favorite live shows to see. Oh, cool! It was yeah. One, it was just always fun. It was my favorite thing to perform in that band. I think we all enjoyed it, you know. Like we all like got something out of performing live in that band. And the, but like when something like that ends, is it is it oh fuck now what's next or is it just like or yeah in a way like I think there was like a there was like college for me that band, and so by the time I I was done with that band, I was like okay now I feel like I have a degree in music and like I've learned. All the bullshit that you have to learn, <laughs> you know what I mean, about dealing with people and and you know relationships and all that stuff, you know, like all the stuff that you have to learn in your late twenties that you didn't learn because you're drinking too much in your early twenties, whatever it is, you know. And once that band ended, I was like, well, now I feel like I get to do whatever I want, you know, and and I don't have to. I've learned so much. I've learned so much about recording. I've learned so much about like what it takes to make a really great record. You know what I mean? Like what it takes to to really sit down and think about like your songs and song structures and all that stuff. So I felt like I don't know. That band taught me so much that after that I was like, well, it's sad that it's over, but I'm really happy that I get to like go and try something new with all of this knowledge that I have. You know what I mean? And I don't have to you know, adhere to certain politics or I don't have to do all that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to do it my way, and if it works, great. But I don't have to have expectations about it, you know? Right. Because my expectations were really high in the beginning of the switch, and then, you know. And now your new band, which I love, mm-hmm. is more of like a country. Like, was that just like, I want to try this for a while? What would you call that genre? Is it? Is I think it's country. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. Country. Yeah, I mean, country rock. I hadn't seen or heard it until I saw you guys play that right. night, and I was like, "We both, my girlfriend, who you the can't see, there. yeah, oh, I can see her. <laughs> She's right there. Sometimes, actually, I've been looking at her the entire. Is that weird? No, I just because uh, I really. I'm tired of looking at you. It's so weird. One, I don't blame you, and two, she's actually a good thing in my life, so I can't believe it. So I'm just like, oh, this is like I got hit in the head, and this has all been a fantasy. <laughs> and then I'm gonna wake up, and some homeless guy's gonna be pissing on me. And that, that might happen. Tomorrow. That would be more on par with the way my existence has been. Uh, but that was just like, what brought you? To the country thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, like, the Switch had moments of that. And then after the Switch, I was like, I think I, re- I write everything on acoustic guitar. Like, that's just how I write. I don't write on any other instrument. I sit with my acoustic guitar and I write on my couch and that's how I write music. And so everything that I was writing for the Switch was all kind of acoustic-y and... 
you know, we were having to turn all that stuff into mm-hmm. these sort of big pop songs. And so they were kind of already there and the structures were there, but it had to be built out into this rock stuff. And so for me, it was like, well, I just want to like simplify everything and not think about it too much. And, you know, write with three or four chords and, and try and experiment with just using more, um, more melody as opposed to like worrying about like how many chord changes I can do to like change up the, the way that this pop structure works. So it doesn't feel like every other pop song, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's how I felt about this band. I just wanted to write really simple stuff. And I feel like country music is like the best way to, to put that out there as far as like simple songs go. Like that's the best simple songs that you can get is country music. Yeah, I and or soul music, right? Yeah, I mean, I think which is real simple. I think the simpler, I, I don't. It's like I think it's the in for my money is most the best. Totally, because I feel like that allows for more. I don't know realness. If yeah. you overcomplicate everything, it's like totally. it's like you got that's just kind of raw. Like here it fucking is. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> from your heart. It's coming from your your stomach. You know what I mean? It's not coming from your head. You're not like overthinking the process you're not overthinking the production you're like okay well what's in country music well there's a guitar there's a lead guitar drums bass and a vocal and maybe some background vocals and there might be a violin here and there and there might be a pedal steel and that's it so you really can't i mean you could deviate from that and you can like go the wilco route of like overproducing something or like you know kind of like trying to beatalized country music or whatever <laughs> um but I don't really want to, I don't, that's not really what I want to do. I want to like make something that like feels good, has a good vibe to it, and is honest. Yeah. It's interesting because in these kind of talks, honesty comes up. And it's like you can't be, you can't be a bullshit artist and do music or, right. I mean, there are, yeah. I mean, look at the billboards. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like, but overall, it's like in t- over 20 years, a lot of that shit, people are going to be like, what? And it's like, what stands the test of time? Do you want another one of those? Sure. Would you mind, dear? I don't mean to uh, pull the patriarchy, but my wow. girlfriend. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's really embarrassing. And I, th- there's another thing that is like, uh, uh, because you're engaged and you're in love, uh-huh. and I, I've seen you and your lady together, and yes. I, I, I must, maybe I'm being sappy now because I'm in a... <laughs> but I mean, like, do you feel like that affects your creativity? Like, is that, to be in such a... Yeah, you know, uh, my uh, uh, the the people, the person that would say that the most would be uh, my mother, who's my biggest fan, and <laughs> she was like, she was like, "You're too happy. You're too you're too happy right now in your life. You need to go go and fuck something up." <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I wasn't writing as much. I was really, I've been really happy. I've been taking a lot of vacations. I haven't been, I haven't been spending a lot of time going out to shows and like doing the, the music biz. You know what I mean? Like doing, you know, being a part of the music scene in Los Angeles. I've just been like doing it in a very different route. And so for me, my happiness has been like, yeah, I want to be in the home place. I want to be home, you know, hanging out with my lady or I want to be on vacation with her. You know what I mean? And, um, and that's fine with me. Like I, I can be, 
I don't need to be out every night and go to shows to make myself feel good about my music career at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I get to record records and put them out and, you know, if 25 to 50 people hear them and maybe if 100 people hear them, great. And if it gets some placements and I get some money, awesome. Like that's where I'm at now. Whereas like when I was really, when I was single and I was going out every night, it gave me that opportunity to to sort of go out and be a part of this scene where you're drinking every night and you're you're with bands and you're doing the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas now I just don't feel like doing that. I don't. I mean, I look at my life. And it's like when I was doing a lot of that, there was a lot of. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't happy. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> like, happy either. I was just totally. distracting, and it's right. like there was this. I think when you get in the space that you're in, or there, there's not you're not being. I'm speaking from my experience. You're not being needy anymore. Where you're like, fucking look at me. Right. I'm part of this, totally. and I'm doing this. And it's like you don't give a fuck, and you're like, I'm doing this for me now, totally. and to be happy. And then you become. I think it makes you better, actually, which I think a lot of people don't understand that, because it's like once you take, you're just like take the pressure off yeah. and relax, totally. then life is way better. <laughs> then all good things happen. I'm also like more, I have a lot more, uh, um, I don't know how to put it. I'm, I work so much harder uh, when I'm in a really great relationship. And that's just been over time. Like I've learned that about myself um, and I'm more inspired to do things, you know, and I'm, I don't really like the idea of a muse or whatever. Um, and definitely like I'm inspired by the way that Valerie lives her life and she has her own thing and it's, she's very artistic in her own life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's really inspiring to me. Um, and so that in itself is kind of like a muse, but it's, you know, I'm not like sitting and writing songs about her all day. Um, in that way of a muse, but like, she's definitely very inspiring to me. And like, I definitely like that energy it works both ways, which is great. You know, like I inspire her and she inspires me and it's like continuously like we're working together for this like greater good or whatever. And that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true though. But that's how I feel about our relationship. Like the day that I met her, I was like, Oh wow, this person is doing all this stuff that I don't know shit about, like experimental theater. And you know, like she was really into all these books that I'd never heard of. And you know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> you know, she was like into theater and shit. And I was like, I don't even know shit about theater, you know? And she definitely opened my eyes on like so many things like dance and going to museums all the time. And like, it's just stuff that I didn't, it's not that stuff that, that I didn't know was out there. It's just, I didn't do it because I was so immersed in music and, and my own shit, you know? Yeah. Do you, um, do you feel like this is going to sound like it was out of some fucking eighties romance movie? <laughs> But I mean, do you kind of feel like, you know, previous, like you didn't know what like real relationships were until you met, like it's like, because yeah, it sounds definitely. like it's a totally different yeah. world. And then, yeah. And I'm also, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man now, you know what I mean? Like I, I've been a boy for a very long time, you know, I've just been looking at things in a very different way. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing at that because it was like, I've right. like, I, I feel like re mentally <laughs> or, or emotionally retarded because it took me and you've known me woof, a long time. Yeah. Totally. But it's like there's a where it's just like and I at Josh Caldwell and I've talked about this too where it's just like you're suddenly like oh I'm a man and I'm gonna start acting like a man whereas right. before it was like I'm gonna drink whiskey and yeah, fucking totally. whatever happens I'm gonna, yeah I'm gonna treat people like shit or I'm gonna you know allow people to treat me like shit and it's okay you know what I mean because I just don't care you know and it's like 
feel like a lot of like adolescence is I don't care, I don't care. And like the sooner you start giving shit about yourself, A, um, and start thinking, well, what do I need in my life to make me happy? You know, and I think that that was really um, what got me to the point to where me and Val could could meet and make sense together. You know what I mean? Like I had to like really find what was going to make me happy just in my life personally and then go from there. You know what I mean? I think I was throughout my 20s, I was like really trying to figure out A, who I was and then B, like what made me happy. And Yeah, I mean, I don't... I. I, I think I was a disaster in relationships because I was just such a fucking probably lost, which I don't want to right. admit. Sure. And <laughs> and just like you going for the wrong things because I was like, well, if I sell a script, then I'm going to be happy. It's like, right. no, you right. won't because then you got to sell the next totally. one. It's right. like it's a right. cycle of misery. Totally. And yeah. it's like and now it's just like, all right, I'm doing things creatively, but it's like, fuck, I just want to be happy and I want to go out. I want to cook. And speaking of which, you also – are a phenomenal cook. Uh, you haven't had my food. I haven't had it, but I've seen so. pictures. <laughs> and I might have maybe uh, fondled it a little bit. No, but you're like food. And you've worked, you worked at a, you, didn't you work at a place, you still work at the place in Atwater, right? Yeah, every once in a while. Totally. And that's just a. That's just like a Sunday gig that I go to every once in a while, and it's fun. And um, yeah, I, I got into like uh, cooking about three or four years ago just from cooking at home and all that stuff and like you know just wanting to learn how to cook good food at home and but you got like you and got, I got real really into it yeah. yeah yeah totally and i was like thinking about going to culinary school and all that and um and which i don't really want to do anymore that sounds like a waste of money at this point <laughs> but <laughs> but it's like there is like i don't know creatives creative people always like great music food then a little bit of the clothes yeah some are fucking schlubs <laughs> totally but there's like this sort of whole package that goes yeah and it's like i don't know I, I don't know what that connection is of just like i guess is it i don't know i think there's an artistic part you know the huge artistic part of, of food you know and i think uh when you look at really beautiful food you want to eat it you know um and when you look at shitty food sometimes you want to eat it too but <laughs> most of the times you don't <laughs> you know <laughs> Unless I think mostly when you're drunk, you want to eat shitty yeah. fucking food. I read a thing like uh, the the Puritans would not allow super deli- like they didn't they abstained from delicious food because it led to sex, or that's what they believed. And I hope so. But yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean it's like yeah, that good. lust of life. I think like music, it's all like life embracing. Yeah. Also, cooking is like a, it's a way to like give to somebody, you know. And I for me, it was more about. I really enjoyed cooking for people. I enjoyed the act of putting together something really beautiful for somebody and being like, here, I did this for you, and I hope you like it, you know? And if it sucks, I'm sorry. But at least <laughs> at least I did everything I could to, uh, to, uh, to make it happen, you it, know? It is one of the... It's instant gratification, and that's, that's really the, the crux of it, right? Yeah, you know, but it's like, instant gratification without... Waking up the next day and worrying about herpes. Right. It's kind of like being a comedian, right? It's instant gratification, but except for the herpes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there is that. Plus, I love like a cooking project that's like, all right, I'm going to start at 10 a.m. and this is going to be done 5, 6, 8 p.m. Totally. It's like the best, like that's the best way to, sp- and of course you're drinking wine. Yeah. But that's the best way to spend a day to me. 
Yeah, and you feel like you've you've accomplished something, and you you've gotten something done, and there's there's a goal, and you accomplish that goal, and it's all like it's like a mini victory in your life every day. You know what I mean? Like that's boy, I like the way you put things. <laughs> But it is, it is, because you, you like, know, it's like if these, you like little like mini victories, it's like I did it. You know what I mean? I'm like fucking <laughs> pat on the back, you know. And then Even tomorrow, you know, it could be just some bullshit dinner, but it's like I did it, and and I made it, and I'm eating it, and it's successful, you know. Yeah, like even the other day, I just made some eggs, but I was like, oh, we have this, and I'll throw that, and she was like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, nah, I just kind of threw some shit in there, right? But that's it was. usually the best stuff, you know. Yeah. Like when you just throw it together, and it turns out great. I've had a lot of mistakes that way. Oh, I've, <laughs> I yeah, uh, I've really thrown some stuff out that way. <laughs> and if you drink a little too much during cooking, <laughs> yeah, you can't taste anything anymore. Yeah, well, I've had like I made uh, some kind of like squash soup, and it was like it's still chunky. It was like not cooked, <laughs> <laughs> and it was for someone, and it was just like, ah, sorry. Interesting soup, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is my uh, this is my lumpy soup. I hope you like it. <laughs> I, I just pass it off as like you know it's raw vegan it's raw vegan soup. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah, good, good for you. Yeah, not delicious. I learned this. Uh, I I had it over at Sage and yeah. I haven't been there. Is that good? It's good. I walked by there today and it was uh, you know. Yeah. I judge people in Echo Park now. You should. <laughs> I did like I feel like that generational thing where I'm like no oh, really we're, we're doing that huh with your clothes and your thing. <laughs> I fight it, and I do. That's like with music too. I'm like, I fight like being like, all right, like I have to be like, I can right. settle down. I want to be the old man. Huh? I I am. What you are. But I try to. Yeah. What are you? Are you worried about that? That you're gonna end up like me? I I know I am. <laughs> I'm already starting to. Oh, don't please don't curse yourself. I think. I think the, <laughs> don't admit you're gonna be me. I think the less I talk to you, the better. <laughs> you slotted an hour of your life. <laughs> Bad way to start that. Uh. Now, is there? What do you have any? Um, do you have a new album coming out? Actually, are you working on? We're working one? on a new record. Yeah. When is that? I don't know. Do you have any? Are you? Is that? Are the songs written, or is this in a? How does? How does that go on for you? We uh, the songs have been written. They were recorded. Uh, so we have some. Um, uh, we did some basic tracking. We did it all live. Uh, you recorded studio. everything live? Mm-hmm. Oh, in a studio or yeah, in, in a front? studio? Oh, not. Um, but yeah, we all played together. Um, we recorded it all. Um, we did some vocals live, um, which I've never done before. So that was a new experience. Um, what does that mean? Done it, done it live. Hi, I'm from Chicago and I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> that means uh, all four of us. We were all playing live. Oh, so it's like you're playing. You're not doing and si- singing live, so we're not doing over. We we're not doing like the band and then overdubs. It means that like Everything. all the musicians were all in one or two rooms looking at each other. We all played live. We all played the songs in you know that take, and then so what we'll do is we'll you know do three takes from that and sort of splice it up and find the best live takes or whatever that we get. Did you like that opposed to the other way you used to or? That one could record? Yeah, yeah. I think every time that I've ever recorded has, has been overdubbing vocals, so it always felt kind of like I had to make a performance out of the vocal, where this way I just sort of sang the songs and it came out very naturally because it was just the natural way that I sing them with an acoustic guitar. So there was, it was really it was a nice experience. It was great. And it was nice that I was able to get the vocal takes that I wanted because I think... The hard thing for recording vocals is that 
you know, if you're doing it live, you can, your pitch can be off. You can, you know what I mean? You could just be out thinking about the song. You can be thinking about how you're playing your guitar on the track. And we really tried to like, think about the performance as opposed to like what we were doing. And it all kind of came together. So, I mean, we played the songs a lot um, for every take. Are you looking forward to this album coming yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different style and it's a very different approach. And I feel like I'm really proud of what we've got so far. And we're going to do some overdubs and stuff and uh, get some pedal steel on there and some violin and some backup vocals. And um, Yeah, it'll be done by next year. Cool. Yeah, I think beginning of next year. Where can people find your uh, all your musics and wonder? You have a Twitter. iTunes and, yeah, Twitter, Geronimo Switch, Getty. Geronimo Getty. Yeah. Geronimo Getty Twitter? And I'll, Geronimo course, Getty is my, my personal Twitter. Yeah. Um, um MattSwire.com. <laughs> That's a soccer player or a yoga guy. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of Matt Dwyer's out there, all doing better than me. Even the pizza delivery Matt guy, Dwyer, minor comedian. I will uh, minor, very minor. a minor to keep. Uh, I so I will post those things on the website. Cool. But thank you very much for doing yeah, this. You I, got it. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Matt Dwyer. If you can, donate some money. Uh, We here at Feral Audio uh, sacrifice a great deal, especially Dustin Marshall, my producer and the man who edits these. Um, He gives his life for these things, and sometimes I think he probably eats ramen or something, so help him out. If you can't donate money and if somebody thinks about buying something, go to my page at Feral Audio. Purchase it through Amazon. We get a kickback there, and we get some of that money. We get some of that money. We do, and we feel pretty good about it. Also, uh, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter.com. And just keep being groovy, everybody. Be groovy and think about the universe and its ever-expandingness and your place in a very large and powerful space. Because, frankly... It's all nothing.
branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.